Hello, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Evan Brand, Certified Functional Medicine Practitioner. Thanks for joining me. Uh, today we're going to be talking with my buddy, Dr. Justin Marcajani, about allergies. You know, every time, I don't know where you are in the world, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, then maybe this conversation doesn't matter until next spring. But if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, we're headed into spring, or we're already in spring, and everyone starts complaining about their allergies I'm sure if we looked at statistics, we would see a massive uptick in visits to immediate care and ENT doctors and allergy clinics. I see these places scattered around the city, and it's just a joke because when you go into these places, you know that they're not going to give you a true workup. They're not going to be looking at your gut for infections that are creating histamine. They're not going to be looking at your diet for potential high histamine foods. They're not going to be discussing dairy and gluten and the potential effect it has on your gut barrier, which then allows more allergens to enter the bloodstream, therefore causing allergic tension. No, they don't do any of that. You go in, you present with your symptoms, and you leave with a prescription, maybe an inhaler, maybe a steroid if the allergies are bad enough, maybe just an over-the-counter recommendation for Flonase or Zyrtec or Claritin or some other thing. And look, I'm not saying you're a bad person if you use those things. I'm saying that those things don't address the root cause. It's not a deficiency of those medications that causes the allergies. What did your ancestors do? They didn't have allergy meds. They were fine. So the, the whole thing, I have allergies. Anytime I talk to someone, I have allergies. Well, yeah, but there's a reason. Just because something is common does not make it normal. Just because something is common doesn't make it normal. Just because everybody has fertility problems and allergies and depression and anxiety and obesity and joint pain and skin rashes and psoriasis, it doesn't mean it's normal. I saw a commercial the other day. Where was I? Because I don't even have TV. So where, where did I see a commercial? Oh, man, we were out somewhere. Might have been at a restaurant. Anyway, I saw a TV somewhere, and it's these, these kids and the parents, they're swimming, and everybody's in their bathing suits, and everybody's just smiling and so happy. It's like that commercial can only be one thing. It's a drug. What kind of drug is it? So my wife and I kind of play like Russian roulette, like we're guessing. What is it? Is it an antidepressant, anti-anxiety? Nope. Oh, we were, all, we were both wrong. It was an anti-psoriasis uh, medication. You know, I've healed hundreds of cases of psoriasis by addressing the root causes, looking into gut infections, healing inflammatory uh, bowel problems, getting rid of parasites, restoring the microbiome. That is the root cause, but you can't talk about all those things in a seven-minute doctor visit. This is why my initial intake is an hour. You know, that's just the way it has to be done. There's just too much to cover to be able to give somebody a seven-minute consult and expect to get them better. It's not the doctor's fault that the system is the way it is. It's the insurance companies and pharmaceutical interest, etc. This is why you're seeing such a suppression worldwide right now of supplements. I've spoke with several clients, including a client of mine who's a medical doctor in Australia, and she says the government's really starting to crack down on supplements there. Is that truly to protect us? If it was, well, then why is ibuprofen readily available at every pharmacy, every over-the-counter, I mean, even Walmart, you could go buy enough ibuprofen to kill you and your whole family. 19,000 people die per year of ibuprofen, yet you don't hear anything about it. But if you see one potential contaminated batch of some cheap Chinese crap on the news, oh, one person dies due to dietary supplement. First of all, who knows if that's even the true cause of death? You know, I didn't do the autopsy, and so I have no idea if that was actually the cause of death, if you see stuff like that. 
And then secondly, okay, so we're going to go and ban a supplement industry. We're going to shut down an entire industry because of a death. But yet, how many people are we having die of opiates every day in the U.S.? We've got fentanyl and opiate derivatives killing thousands and thousands daily. Yet, we we don't we don't see that on the news. Maybe we do, but it's just a brief snapshot. Hey, people died of opiates. Move on to the next story. Oh, so-and-so had a car crash. So, you know, it's very interesting to see just the last 10 years that I've been in this field what's changing. And I do see the crackdown of supplements happening more on a global basis, not so much on a USA basis right now, but um, certainly uh, Finland, they're getting incredibly strict. Norway, Sweden, a lot of these other countries are getting very strict on, on supplements. Like we can't import simple ingredients into these countries anymore. So very interesting. I don't know where I'm going with that thought. I was just rambling. Hope you enjoyed it. But if you have not left a review for my podcast, please do. It takes like two minutes. You know, I've got literally over 10 million downloads of this podcast over the last uh, coming up on eight years now. And like we only had like 500 reviews. Now, why? Oh, is it just my ego? No, it's not. It's just because if you review the podcast, it helps this podcast get higher up in the rankings of iTunes. So more people that click health on podcasts, they'll find me and then they'll get this information. So if I can do the same podcast, but reach 10 times more people, I will have 10 times more effect on the planet, which is great. So it could be good content, but if nobody hears it, then it doesn't matter, right? So that's why if you go on your podcast app, you can do this. If you don't listen on iTunes, do it somewhere else. Do it on uh, do it on Google or do it on Stitcher Radio or wherever else you get my podcast you know, review it there if the option is available. But on iTunes specifically, that's the biggest, most important platform. So if you're on your iTunes on your computer, just type in Evan Brand, search that. You can find the podcast. You click write a review. It takes two minutes. Give me the stars you think the show deserves. I do appreciate it. But let's get into the show now with Justin as we talk about allergies and more root cause medicine uh, when approaching allergies rather than just giving you a steroid and sending you home. Hope you enjoy it. If you need to reach out, schedule a consult with me, I'd be happy to do so. My website is evanbrand.com. Enjoy. Evan Brand, my man, what's going on? How you doing? Hey, man, happy Monday to you. My pink office is gone, so that's hey. great. I've now got gray you, office. And for anybody doing uh, interior work, they need to just get a hold of you. You're my interior designer now. You gave me the idea of this good gray color that I have. Yeah, it's knitting needles gray. We just had my son's playroom painted that same color. I just love the grays like that because one, that room, like it'll go when there's a little more light, it'll look a little more blue and then it'll look, look a little more slate or, or dark gray. And then it just kind of blends with everything. It's, it's Sherwin-Williams number one color of the year like three years ago. And I, I just have it in a lot of my key rooms. Yeah, so the paint brand I did is Roma Bio, R-O-M-A-B-I-O. So part of allergies is your indoor environment. You know, yes. the EPA talks about how dirty indoor air quality is compared to outdoor air quality. So if you're doing any remodeling, you're doing any painting in your home, if you're using garbage products, even some of the stuff labeled as low VOC, it still could contain toxic chemicals. The Roma Bio is all mineral based. And so you literally smell nothing. And so there's no off gassing. You don't have to open the windows. You're not going to get sick when you put it in, especially if you're a chemical sensitive person or if you have allergies you know, you're going to be just fine. And even if you've got a garbage paint that you want to paint over, you can just paint right over with Roma Bio. So that would be step one for today's talk on allergies is optimize your indoor air quality. Humans, we spend way too much time indoors. That's just what we do now because of our society and we're connected to computers all day. Now, could you put a desk outside? Yeah, you could, but then you might not be able to see the screen. So I do try to work outside when the weather's nice and sit in the shade under a covered patio. 
but most of the time we're going to be indoors. So back in the corner there, you see my molecule air purifier. Justin's got one in his office too. I've had great success with it so far. The air in here really does smell really fresh. It's almost like you're at the beach. It's just a really, you know, fresh air, uh, sensation. It's not an ionizer. You don't want those. You don't want negative ions being created from your air purifier because what those do is it actually sticks all the toxins and mold and pet dander. It sticks it to the walls like a magnet. So it, the ionizer takes it out of the air, but it sticks it to your walls, which you don't want. And what we're using is a technology called PECO, P-E-C-O, which actually destroys the, the pollutants. It destroys the dander. It destroys the mold spores. And that's a far better situation. Uh, in terms of your, your air purification. 100%. So air is really important. So today's podcast is on allergies as we alluded to. So allergies are going to be an issue when your immune system is hyper responsive. Okay. Now, one of the big things that's going to make your immune system more hyper responsive is going to be stress in your stress bucket or an allergy terminology, we'll call it antigens. Antigens are like foreign outside compounds. So anything that's going to drive up inflammation, whether it's foods like gluten or dairy or sugar or aspartame or MSG or grains, these foods, they just have more inflammation. Inflammation is going to drive prostaglandins, right? These are like these eucosinoid type of uh, almost like hormone-like compounds that can increase things like prostaglandin E2, which is more inflammatory, right? It's going to create more histamine. It's going to create more swelling and vasodilation. It's going to create more congestions. And of course, a lot of these foods also are very mucus forming too. So we have mucus, we have congestion, we have stagnant lymph, and we're adding all these inflammations from our food. And then also stress will do it because cortisol is going to be a, a stress hormone. It's an anti-inflammatory hormone, but it does, it's very catabolic. So it's going to break tissue down. It's going to cause constriction. It's because it's, it's going to create adrenaline, which is going to cause constriction. It's going to decrease blood flow in a lot of ways too. And it's going to um, decrease your sex hormones, which is your ability to heal, repair, recover, and be anabolic. So we look at everything, you know, from a functional medicine perspective, we're looking at our stress bucket and we're doing a really good history evaluating food stress, emotional stress, exercise, too much, too little, infections. Um, and then we'll also look at environmental antigens like in Austin, cedar's a big one, dander, right? Various grasses, right? These type of things, pollens, these can go into your stress bucket. Now, the more you're healthy and the more your inflammation's under the control, the more it becomes a non-issue. But if your inflammation's already topped up and your antigen slash stress bucket is full, those little bit of antigens may be enough to tip you over. Yep. Well said. And there's other things that can add into that bucket too. So like bacterial overgrowth, which is something that we're always testing for via stool. Right. Uh, we're looking for signs of leaky gut. So we're going to look right. for inflammation in the gut. We'll look for your secretory IgA level on your right. stool test. Uh, we could even see like some microscopic bleeding. You know, there's a marker called occult blood that we look at and that could be related to major inflammatory issues, or even some type of autoimmune gut condition. So if you're looking at this and then you combine the diet, if someone is eating a high histamine diet, this is going to be like alcohol, you know, your wine, your beer, uh, a lot of fermented foods people go crazy with now, like sauerkraut and um, soy sauce and kombucha. Those are all 
going to be higher histamine cured meat. So a lot of people doing bacon in the paleo community, that's cool. But if it's cured, those cured meats could be a problem. And then of course, like dried fruit, I see tons of people eating like dried mango slices. That's real high histamine. So you take your environmental allergies, like you've got your cedar fever, plus maybe you've got some gluten and dairy in there, and then you're snacking on dried mango slices, you're probably going to have some issues. Exactly. So we always want to look at what the, what's the root underlying issue. We have a hypersensitive immune system. We do a really good audit as a functional medicine doc to figure out all the foods that could be driving it. Okay. I see a significant reduction in allergies when we just get the inflammatory foods out. Dairy is a big mucus one. Grains are a big one. And then also the hidden inflammation like in the sauces and those kind of things. Now, once we kind of have that looked at and supported, getting the hormones and the cortisol under control is huge because the more our cortisol is increased, that can affect our immune system, right? Typically, that can create a, a hyper-responsive immune system and even a, a decreased immune response. But typically with allergies, we're seeing a higher immune response, especially the TH2 part of the immune system. That, that's like we have our TH1 part of our immune system. That's our cytotoxic immune system. That's our like our natural killer cells, our helper cells. Think of that as the special forces of our immune system, right? It's the Navy SEALs. It's the Delta Force. It's the Army Rangers. It's the first line of defense and attack. Then we have TH2 part of our immune system. That's like our humoral or our antibody-based immune response. And these are like the infantry that comes in like a week later. This is the same kind of immune response that when you get a vaccination, you're trying to stimulate these antibodies on the humoral side to go and create memory cells. And these memory cells kind of linger in the background and they can go attack things. Now, when you have a lot of allergies, a lot of times you can have this hyper TH2, this hyper antibody response. And that's, that's a big one. So typically, you know, when you vaccinate, you're going to jack that immune response up. So there is some data with, I know the DPT vaccine, that one of the side effects is increased allergenicity later on in life. And I think part of it is just winding up that TH2 part of the immune system. So we look at the foods, we look at the stress, we look at sleep, right? And then there are additional supplements that we can use to kind of curtail and kind of bump that immune response down. Now, low-hanging fruit, clinically, I find high levels of allergens also seems to correlate with low stomach acid. So I find not being able to digest your food, food sitting in your gut, putrefying, and a lot of that because of low HCL, low hydrochloric acid, and low enzymes because HCL and enzymes are brother and sister. We need good acidity. We need nice high levels of acidity to stimulate our pancreas to make enzymes. So we need HCL. That creates enzyme activity, right? Then we, we make our proteolytic enzymes, our lipolytic enzymes, and then we also have bile salt production. And our bile does pull out a lot of junk too. So we need good bile to bind up a lot of that crap that may be from our environment too. So we have HCL, enzymes, proteolytic, protein digesting, lipolytic, fat digesting, and then our bile salts, which helps with fat as well, and does have other junk in there that we want to release out our stool. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, people say, oh, when I was younger, I didn't have allergies. But now that I hit age 40 or age 50 or age 60, I have allergies. We know that as you age, you make less and less stomach acid every year. So it sounds like if you want to battle this, supplementing with enzymes and acids, and then you mentioned the putrefying in the gut, that, there's exactly what we're talking about with 
a bacterial overgrowth or a candida overgrowth or potentially parasitic infections is that those infections, including H. pylori, are going to reduce the stomach acid level even more. So if you just go out, okay, Dr. J said enzymes and acids, you may go out and buy digestive enzymes and acids and you don't get better. And that's because there's still another layer. There's still another root cause that hasn't been addressed. It could be the infection piece, or as you mentioned, cortisol, it could be the cortisol pulling apart the tight junctions in the gut barrier, then that allowed bacterial overgrowth. So if you fix the gut bugs, but then you still don't go upstream to fix cortisol, you're still going to end up in the same situation with allergies again. This is not, by the way, a deficiency of antihistamine drugs. You notice we've not talked about drugs. Maybe we should spend just a couple minutes talking about the conventional treatment for allergies you know, what the ENT doctor is going to do for you in this situation. Oh, doc, I have allergies. The, the, the things they have to offer are, right. they're right. not root cause. Yeah, let's just go over one more thing before we dive into the pharmaceutical option. I think you can learn a lot when we contrast nutritional functional medicine options for allergies, and then we can contrast it on the conventional allopathic medicine. You can really see philosophically which path you're going down. Like is a big divide in the road, right? One is we're trying to reduce inflammation, modulate the immune system, help with drainage, help with inflammation, help with the gut microbiome. And then the other is, hey, let's Let's give antihistamines. Let's give corticosteroids, right? Let's give um, things that are going to suppress the immune system versus support, heal, nourish, and drain out. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, the decongestants, those things too. Exactly. Yeah, the, the essentially antihistamines, right? Yeah. So one of the big things with the gut is the microbiome. So we talked about the hyper-responsive immune system probiotics have a huge effect at modulating the immune system. So when we have commensal bacterial overgrowth or dysbiotic bacterial overgrowth or infections or H. pylori, typically we start to see a lot of collateral, not so good bugs starting to accumulate, right? Because, you know, bad people tend to hang together. It's very rare you just have a solo bad person by themselves. And then that can create an immune response that puts us in, let's say, a not so good direction. So getting some of the bad guys, the dysbiotic, you know, not so good stuff or the infections under control is very helpful. And then also bringing up the beneficial bacteria, lactobacillus, bifidobacter type of bacteria. If we're sensitive to that, we may even use more sporebiotics like bacillus strains, or we may avoid a lot of the lactobacillus casei strains, the higher histamine strains, if you're sensitive. So we may look at lower histamine strains, the, you know, we'd avoid the paracasei, the casei. We may do more sporebiotic strains with the bacillus coagulans, subtilis, and clausei to support the microbiome, which does have a modulating effect on the immune system. I've seen some of the lower histamine probiotics on the market. I think it's usually unnecessary to have to do something that specific if you just fix the gut. I've rarely had somebody have a problem with you and I. I mean, we use professional healthcare companies to manufacture our products. And so the quality is so insanely high. It's very rare, maybe like one out of a hundred or one out of several hundred clients who can't tolerate our normal high dose regular probiotic. And that's because we usually have fixed before we come in and fertilize and add all these probiotics. You and I have already tested and we've already identified and fixed any infections that would potentially be releasing histamine. You know, these different bacteria could be releasing toxins that are short of shooting at the immune system. We've already cleared all that out. So the probiotics are usually tolerated versus maybe if you just heard this and you thought, hey, Justin said enzymes and probiotics, I'm just going to go buy those two things and think I'm going to get better. You may not because you still haven't gone through the correct order of operations. 
Correct. So I would say maybe one to 5% of my more inflammatory, very, a lot of inflammation, a lot of immune dysregulation patients fall into that category, number one. But like what you said, I do find a lot of people that really are reacting to probiotics. They're throwing a whole bunch of probiotics into a, a tummy or a, a microbiome full of dysbiotic, not so good bacteria, or even lots of infections. And that's where you can get a lot of that kind of response. You know, my, my analogy is it's like throwing a whole bunch of seeds down in a weed, in a garden full of weeds. It's like taking your car through a car wash and getting it waxed before you get it washed. Right. Yeah. There's an order of operations and how things kind of are, you know, for best practices, so to speak. And it, when we incorporate a functional medicine program, that best practices and that kind of system approach is already built into the logic of what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like if you just go down a random supplement aisle and you start to like pick and choose random things like this says immune, I'm going to throw it at it and hope that it sticks. I mean, you might get some limited success with that. You know, people could go out and buy an herb like stinging nettle, for example, and they could take stinging nettle. Maybe they get some progress, but it still may not be root cause. Do you want to talk about that now? Maybe some herbs we do use? Yeah, I think we can go there. Is there anything else you want to highlight on the physiology or the biochem? Because I, I really want our listeners to understand what's happening in their body from a physiological biochem perspective so they get the root. Because then when they understand what's happening, then we have this puzzle piece, whether it's a supplement or a drug or a diet or lifestyle modification, they can see how it plugs in. Because that way people get the root cause perspective versus the palliative, you know, pain over the rust, so to speak. Is there anything else you want to highlight on the biochem or physiology part? Yeah, now that you mention it, I would just say um, fungal infections of the sinuses could be another problem that most people miss and especially the ENT doctors miss. So people that have lived in an environment where they've had high moisture and potentially mold, they may have some type of uh, fungal infection up in the sinus cavity where you can do a, uh, a blend of citrus oils in essential oil format that we put into a sinus irrigator that's battery powered and you can pump this up into your sinus cavity and it'll actually kill off the colonization that's happened because your sinuses are so close to the brain. So if you've got a fungal infection up in here, that's so close to your blood brain barrier, you could be releasing mycotoxins into your sinus cavity up into your brain causing allergic response, even if your gut checks out okay. So I would just say, make sure you're addressing both sinus and gut at the same time. I agree. And sometimes some of these critters, they can hang out in the gut. Now, one of the things that I do, especially with my son, because he's not quite at the age where he can blow his nose really well to get all that, you know, mucus that's way up here in his frontal cavity out. So we use the device called the nasaline. And then we use the Neti Exlear packets, which have xylitol and also some minerals and sodium bicarb in there. And we'll suck up about, you know, a couple of ounces of that in the nasoline. We'll mix it up in a, in a solution. Then we'll suck up a couple of ounces and then we'll, we'll inject it in one nostril, get a second or two of flow coming from the other side where it drains. And then we'll go to the other side and we'll push. And I'm not talking the spray. We're not doing the xylitol spray. We're actually doing a syringe, a nasoline pump. It's like a big turkey baster and we're, we're yep. injecting fluid up and it's literally flowing out of the other nose for one to two seconds. Then I kind of wring out his nose and then we do the other side and have it flow for another second or two. And that's going all the way up in the frontal cavities and may even go down the back of the throat. So if you're having an annoying post-nasal drip, that could be something hanging out way in the back posterior part of the sinus cavity that needs to get flushed out. And the xylitol is great because it will kill some bacteria and potentially even some fungus. And then just also restoring that good pH up there. So it makes it harder for some of the not so nice stuff to grow is very helpful 
for sinuses in or for allergies in the sinus cavity. That's beautiful. And does he tolerate that? Does he allow you to do that or is it a pain? Well, here's the deal. We used to use the bottle, like the Neomed spray bottle or the, or the um, Neti X-Clear bottle. But it, it, one, if you, if you had it at an angle a little bit, it, you wouldn't get optimal pressure. So the yeah. Nasaline allows you to get optimal pressure from any angle because it's, it's kind of, you know, in an injection fashion. And then number two is you get more flow. You get better pressure. So sometimes with the bottle, there'd be mucus and we, there wasn't enough pressure to break it up. So with the nasaline, you can get like two to three times more pressure. So it breaks it right up and then you can see it flow on the other side. And it's you get that like sense of like, oh my God, that was like way up in your sinus. And then he can breathe so much better and it helps because he's only had one ear infection and it happened because we couldn't get snot and mucus from up here out. And again, that'll change as he can blow his nose, right? But when your kids are younger, it helps. And if you have sinus issues, it's awesome too. Totally great. And you may not need the nasaline. You may just be able to do the regular your regular spray ball that comes with them. But that's helpful. And this is nasaline, like N-A-S-A-L-I-N-E. Perfect. Well, I think we talked about a bunch. So are you ready? Do you want to hit some some nutrients, things that can yeah, help? I just say one more thing here. I know I'm, I'm a little long-winded. So we have our five major immune um, cells, right? Five major immune cells. We have in, in school, they'll teach you never let monkeys eat bananas. Neutrophils, lymphocytes, monocytes, eosinophils, basophils. Okay. Basophils are the big ones we're worried about with allergies because basophils outside of the blood, when they go into the tissue, they turn into mast cells. And mast cells produce histamine. And histamine has that vasodilating, kind of mucus forming, allergy like effect. And a lot of the medications like Pepsid AC, these 5-H2, 5-HT2 blockers, these antihistamine meds, a lot of times they're working on that response. So we're trying to really get that immune system to relax and to chill out and to also not overstimulate it with stress and food and poor diet and lifestyle. Yep. I think that is important to bring up mast cells because, yeah, I mean, when you talk about people with mast cell problems, I mean, they're allergic to anything. Some of those people have to even travel with uh, EpiPens because EpiPens, they could have exactly. some huge mast cell explosion. Exactly. Yep, totally. So I'll let you go through everything here, Evan. Yeah, well, I was going to say, which I was calling like a silly head. I was calling it Coracetin, but it's really Corsetin. Justin's like, dude, it's Corsetin. So Corsetin, uh, it just, <laughs> I don't look at the word, it looks like Corsetin. But anyway, so <laughs> this is... This is a bioflavonoid, and this is very helpful to stabilize mast cells. So actually, uh, Neil Nathan had a good book on mast cells, and he was talking about how the number one thing he found from a natural nutritional perspective to stabilize mast cells, meaning if you have a mast cell activation problem where someone is just overreacting to everything, like they breathe in cologne and get a headache, that's likely a mast cell problem that's creating a lot of excess histamine and dumping that into the system. So in his book, he discussed using quercetin and how some people can't even tolerate a low dose, like 40 milligrams was too much for some people. That's going to be a very sensitive person. And most of the time we can go up to two, three, four, five hundred milligrams of quercetin. And then usually there's other uh, bioflavonoids like rutin, R-U-T-I-N that come with it. So that's what you and I use a lot. And I would say that's probably one of the top five nutrients that you can use, but don't just go to Walmart and buy some there. You want to get a professional quality version because just because it says it's X, Y, Z on the label, that doesn't mean it's the quality and purity and 
if it's garbage and you bought it at Walgreens Pharmacy, it could have a bunch of extra fillers, corn and gluten and who knows what else. It could be in a tablet versus a capsule versus a powder. So then the absorption in the gut's not as good because you have low stomach acid. So you can't just assume because it's on the label that it's going to work for you. So I have to give that little disclaimer. 100%. Now, one thing I want to highlight is um, reishi mushroom, Organoderma lucidum is excellent. Reishi is known. I have one article right here called the suppression of inflammatory and allergic responses by pharmacologically potent fungus Ganoderma lucidum or reishi mushroom. And essentially reishi really helps modulate the immune system, but it also helps push up that Th1 immune system. Now, why does that matter? Because people that may have a lot of allergenic issues, they may have this really high bit of Th2 going on, right? It's on a seesaw. So if Th2 is high, guess where Th1 sits? So by it sits low, right? Just like if one end of the seesaw is up, the other end has to be down. So think of the side that's down as TH1. Think of the, um, which is the side that Rishi supports and think of the allergenic side is over here on the TH2. So if you bump up this TH1, guess what you're doing to that TH2 allergenic immune response? You can kind of bring it back into benefit. Yeah, so, good call on the, I call it Rishi. So you, we're pronouncing Quercetin indifferently and Rishi differently. I love it, man. Potato it's one of my favorites, though. I love it. I mean, I take it almost every day. There's a couple different oh, yeah. supplements I take that does have mushrooms in it. So I, I'm a huge fan. And there has been, I mean, they call it the mushroom of immortality. So, I mean, this is something been used in Chinese medicine for thousands of years before Americans picked up on it. Exactly. So let me just read you part of the abstract here. They talk about here, a number of herbal drugs have been identified in the past that can target inflammatory cytokines. Among these, Ganoderma lucidum, aka Rishi, a powerful medicinal mushroom has been found to possess immune modulating and immune potentiating capabilities and has been characterized as a wonder herb. And this article right here, I'll, we'll put the link here below, is this review will focus on the molecular mechanism and the inflammatory and anti-allergenic reaction this mushroom has, especially with allergies. So we'll put the link below. You're not going to see the whole thing because a lot of these things are stuck behind paywalls. But it just, we, you know, I'm just putting it out there because I want people to know there's a lot of research on some of these compounds and how they can help modulate the immune response. Now, I haven't read the whole article because it's behind a paywall, but I'm going to guess part of that mechanism and how it's helping allergies is through that Th1, Th2 seesaw analogy I just gave y'all. Yeah, I would say the same thing with astragalus. You know, I love astragalus. I take yep. it this time of the year. We've already started to see a couple of ticks on our dogs, so we're back into tick season already. And if you do get bit, supposedly if you get bit uh, by a tick and you have astragalus in your system, that may help to prevent the transmission of the Borrelia burgdorferi that causes Lyme disease. So I basically stay on astragalus starting in the spring throughout the rest of the year. But I think that would be a good th1 th2 balancer as well for allergy season exactly so we want to make sure we draw a line here right the line is these herbs and nutrients can be used palliatively in the same category that drugs the drugs are right but if we're actually fixing the root underlying issues that may create the environment for allergies to form like pet danders in the house mold in the house, poor diet, inflammation, low, you know, not enough stomach acid, poor adrenals. If we don't fix that, then these issues may not have a root cause 
supporting benefit. So we draw the line. These are nutrients, but they can still be used palliatively as well as to support the root cause. So our goal is to always support the root cause by addressing these issues we already highlighted, but they can also be used uh, without addressing the root cause as well. But they're always way more effective and synergistic when, we, when we're fixing the diet, the lifestyle stress that are causing everything to dysfunction to begin with. So I like to draw that line because most people that use allergy medications today without any focus on the root cause, we always want to delineate and draw that clear line for y'all. Yeah, I was pulling up a study here that was talking about prenatal, perinatal, and childhood vitamin D exposure and their association with childhood allergies. And basically, this uh, study discusses they were measuring vitamin D levels through different ages of kids. And the lower the vitamin D level throughout pregnancy or through childhood increases risk of allergies later on. So long story short, if you're a pregnant mom listening, make sure your vitamin D levels are up, you know, preferably like 60 to 80. Uh, we like to see it. It's typically in the U S it's going to be NG over DL. That's going to be the, uh, the unit. But if you look at your reference range, you want to be on the higher end of your reference range with vitamin D. That's an easy one to fix. 100%. Yep. So let's go through the list here. We mentioned vitamin D and how that modulates the immune system. We talked about medicinal mushrooms, Ganoderma, lucidum, lucidum, or reishi is our favorite. Or if, if we're Evan, where it's, how do you say it? I say reishi. 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 Potato, potato. Probiotics. Quercetin's excellent, especially with a lot of the, the bioflavonoids. I think you mentioned the hispridin and the rutin. Um, bromelain, which is an enzyme found in pineapple, which is great for helping with allergies. Stinging nettle is an excellent one. In my line, I have a product called Allerclear, which has a lot of these compounds in it. It has the stinging nettle. It has some of the vitamin C, the bioflavonoids. It has some potassium bicarbonate. These are really good kind of, I'd say, first-line natural medicine, functional medicine type of compounds. Anything you want to add to that, Evan? Yeah, I would just say make sure you're working back towards the root cause. So if someone can go buy those supplements, great job, but still make sure you're looking at your gut. Make sure you're looking at your home environment. Do you have new carpet that's off-gassing toxic chemicals? Do you have new paint? Did you move into a new apartment, a new condo, a new townhome that has other pollutants in the air that are messing up your sleep at night? So maybe you need to have a high-quality air purifier in your bedroom while you're sleeping. Maybe that's going to reduce the stress in your bucket, but you can still do these other things. Just make sure you're you're checking everything else off the list. I don't want people just taking quercetin and thinking they, they're going to be cured. Exactly, 100%. All right, so let's continue to roll through some of our other things on our list here. Got my list, let me pull it back up here. So we talked about the medicinal mushrooms, really, really important. We talked about the stinging nettle. Um, a couple other things I want to highlight is just poor breathing. A lot of people could have like a deviated septum. And that could require surgery. Some people, it may be more functional based where you can do a specific chiropractic technique called nasal specific where they can go up there and they can put a balloon up and they can, they can kind of balance out those little bones that could be misaligned. So I always recommend the nasal specific chiropractic technique first because that's doesn't require anesthesia, medications, or invasive surgery. So that's always better first. And then just making sure you have good posture, right? Making sure you're External auditory meatus sits right above your top of your shoulder there. Good posture. And then making sure the bones in your neck are moving properly. As soon as you start to go forward head posture, one of the things that starts to happen is your airway starts to close down a bit. 
Okay. The more your airway starts to close down, you start recruiting as you start going more forward, you start recruiting from these intercostal muscles to breathe. So now you're here and you're breathing from these, your chest muscles, right? So when you take a deep breath, if you put a hand on your tummy and a hand on your chest, you want the bottom hand to be the one primarily moving. Your chest shouldn't be. So you should, when you breathe, if I chest breathe, this is the hand that moves first. No go. If we're belly breathing slash diaphragmatic breathing, this is the one that you should be breathing with. A lot of people, they don't naturally want to do that because it makes your tummy look a little bit bigger and everyone wants to have those that, that beach body. So you see guys walking around like this. That means they're automatically breathing through their chest, which is activating that sympathetic nervous system response, which then will throw off the immune system too if it's done chronically. Yeah, for people who are listening on audio, they didn't see Justin. He was showing the kind of the turtle head basically when you're standing. And if everybody's looking down at their smartphone these days, everybody has that kind of turtle head, head lunge forward, kind of down and forward. He was saying that's going to be recruiting some of those muscles there in the front of your neck. And then he was kind of hunched over at the same time at his shoulder. So he was showing what you want is you want to be basically your head. You want on top of your shoulders. You don't want your head in front of your shoulders. He's saying that's what's leading to the more chest breathing and not the belly breathing. So that's important. I mean, I noticed just watching my daughter that, you know, young children, they're naturally belly breathers. And as we age and become stressed, we become chest breathers. And chest breathing causes anxiety. You don't want to be a chest breather. If you look at somebody having a panic attack, they're not breathing in their belly. They're breathing in their chest. Yeah. I think a lot of people, number one, they, they don't want to look like they're five or six months pregnant. Because if you really do a, a deep belly breath, you know, basically all your organs, all your intestines are going down as your diaphragm's pushing out. And so it makes you look a little bit bigger in the tummy, but it's just, you know, it's just your body trying to get a, a good diaphragmatic breath and it's just moving those organs around. That's all. Yeah. Who cares? You got to, if you still care what people think, then you got to get over that first. Absolutely. All right. Anything else you want to add on the breathing postural side? I think you did good. Okay, cool. Now we already talked about, you know, what these various things could be, right? Pollen, danders, animal dust, mites right? Uh, things in your fur, right? These kind of things, you know, it could be topical things like latex or even gluten or anaphylactic things like peanuts, of course, right? And a good air filter will help with some of these ones that are more environmentally based. And, you know, I, I have one justinhealth.com slash air. There's a good one there that I like. There's two or three brands that I like as well. If you go to justinhealth.com slash shop, you'll see a couple of the ones that I like. And then I personally have, I have all three in my house. I know Evan talked about the, um, uh, what was the one that you have, Evan? The molecule. And I have the molecule as well. Molecule, I think, is great. One thing I like about the molecule, it just looks nice, doesn't it? It does look good. It's yeah, I don't, know if you, I don't know if you have a coupon code. Do you have a coupon for people? Because if you don't, I do. Okay, so the coupon code, if you're interested in molecule, you go to their website, M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E, -E, molecule.com. You can use the coupon code BRAND, my last name, B-R-A-N-D, 100-100. So BRAND100, you'll get 100 bucks off the molecule. That's just a free deal that they worked out for our listeners. So there you go. Enjoy. All right, back to the show. Okay, we can save you a little money. Air purifiers are not the cheapest thing in the world, but they are priceless. I mean, it's one thing that I would not live in a house. Eat, no matter how clean the building materials, I would not live in a house without air purification. Because 100%. It's just, it's too important, especially if you got young kids like Justin and I do. 
Yep. So, super important. So now we talked about some of the, you know, the causes there. We talked about the biochemistry and the physiology. We talked about some of the conventional things, right? It's going to be potential antibiotics. It's going to be antihistamines. It's going to be uh, immune suppressants. It could even be corticosteroids or even prednisone if it's really high. It could even be to that degree. Yeah. Your ENT is not going to discuss gluten. They're likely not going to discuss discuss nope. dairy. I'm sure there's some out there that may, but they're probably few and far between. I'm guessing the guy right down the street is probably not going to say that to you. And right. it's unfortunate. Hopefully with podcasts like this, we can turn the tide around. And when you go into an ENT, the first thing they're going to say is, what's your diet? Do you eat dairy? Uh, how often do you eat grains? How much sleep do you have? Um, do you have brand new carpet that's off gassing formaldehyde? Uh, do you have an air purifier in your bedroom? Like, you know, hopefully the ENT visits will start to become like this. Exactly. And it's really hard to do that in the conventional insurance model for sure. Yeah, and we already talked six about, minutes or something for an appointment. I know, I know, totally. And we talked about some of the natural compounds that we use, the quercetin, um, HCL, or some kind of acidifying agent like apple cider vinegar. We also like a lot of the beneficial probiotics, which may be dependent upon how sensitive you are as well. And we already talked about one other thing I like is kidney glandular. Kidney glandular or kidney tissue has an enzyme called DAO, which actually helps metabolize histamine. So that's really good. We may do higher dose kidney glandular, get the DAO, which will come in there and metabolize the histamine. If you're really sensitive, we may even talk about cutting histamines out. It could be citrus, it could be grains, it could be aged meats like Evan talked about. It could even be teas and coffee as well because those, those block the DAO enzyme from working. And we may just add in extra DAO enzyme to help metabolize the histamine as well. Yeah, I find low histamine diet helps some people, but once again, it's going to be in maybe the 10% or less. Yep. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yep. And that's the thing. When we deal with patients via functional medicine, you know, we have a lot of experience. So there's a spectrum in which more patients fall than others. And it's hard because when people find stuff online, they don't really have a context of where they may fit into that category because they're an N equals one. So it's really important. We want to plug you in based on our clinical experience, which gives us a huge head start. Yep. Well, I think we hit everything really good. I think we did a really concise job. I think probably one of the more one of the more concise podcasts that's out there on these topics because we want to make sure you understand the root biochemistry and understand the physiology. That way, you understand concepts. You're not memorizing random facts, and that causes right. this root cause information to stick. One last story, and then we'll wrap it up. So yeah. I had a major issue with histamine regarding avocados. I was eating avocados like every day. I started to get migraine headaches from avocados. So I cut them out for six weeks while I was working on a gut protocol. And as soon as I fixed my gut, I added avocados back in and I had no problem. Yep. So you go to the nutritionist and they tell you, well, Justin or Evan, it's this food. It's that food. These are the devil. Don't ever eat avocado. No, that wasn't the root cause. The avocado wasn't the problem. It was my body. I had too many gut infections and other problems creating excess histamine. The avocado just put me over the edge and caused a symptom. So I temporarily removed it fix the root cause, and then I could add it back in and had no problem. So, you know, these people, they get stuck on a diet because they just went to a nutritionist who put them on like a low histamine diet, but then there's no other follow-up. There's nothing after that. It's just, here's this very restrictive diet. You're stuck with this forever, the end. And that's not the way it should be. 100%. 
Well, hey, man, today was a great podcast. If you guys are enjoying it, we get it on Facebook as well. Make sure you subscribe, hit the bell as well. Put comments below. Want to know what you think. Want to get some really good future podcast ideas from y'all. And I'll be back personally for my live YouTube Q&As later this week. So make sure you're part of my channel so you can access that phenomenal content. And make sure you head over to evanbrand.com. Evan sees patients all over the country as well. He has lots of phenomenal content even outside of the ones that Evan and I produce together. So make sure you subscribe to Evan's podcast and YouTube channel as well. Evan, anything else you want to say? Thanks for the plug, man. And uh, check out Justin Health, Justin and then Health, justinhealth.com. That's where you can reach out to him if you want to do consults. And he has another doc on staff too. So if his availability is crazy, you need to be seen, we can get you in. So just check out the site. You can find all the resources there. And I look forward to having my book come out and my thyroid masterclass coming out really soon. It's so hard because my first love is seeing patients and I have to kind of clear my schedule from some for some patients during certain blocks to get this content out. So I'm in this little pickle here of just trying to finish it up, but it, it's hard because my first love is seeing patients. So I'm um, doing my best, y'all. So keep an eye out for the thyroid reset book that's coming your way along with the masterclass. Good job. Keep up the good work. Hey, thanks, Evan. You have a great day. We'll talk soon, everyone. Bye now. Bye. Justin and I were talking after the show and we were trying to figure out, well, what do people actually benefit best from? You know, I've been working on this functional medicine training course, but it's very large. You know, there's several different modules to this. There's a lot of different pieces to it. So what I'm trying to figure out is, do you need a specific program? Let's say a smaller dedicated course to chronic fatigue, a smaller dedicated course to Lyme and co-infections like mycoplasma and cytomegalovirus. Do you need a smaller course dedicated to parasites and gut infections, one for mold and mycotoxins and chemical detoxification? You know, I just am on the fence about this, so I want your feedback. So you can find me on Twitter if you just look up Evan Brand or on my Facebook page. I've got a public figure page there, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You could email me, office at Evan Brand. Less than 0.01% of you will actually take two minutes of your time and let me know. But this is important because this is going to change the future. And this will help improve the lives of so many people. But if I do one big shebang course for $5,000 and it's too big and too overwhelming for people, I don't care about having a bunch of people buy a course if they don't actually do it. I want something that's going to be actionable and people are going to take my information. All my courses are actionable, of course. But what I'm saying is if it's so big that you can't digest it, then it's not worth it. So what I want is your feedback. Is it better to have one big functional medicine training course where you can learn to read and interpret all of the labs? You're working on every issue from Lyme to mold to mycotoxins to parasite infections to H. pylori to bacterial overgrowth and candida and showing all the protocols of each of these situations all in one shebang that's about five grand or would you prefer to have specialized courses where it's like just a gut course all about parasites bacteria infections here are the protocols you use to fix people here are the labs that you run this is how you get access to the labs these are the supplements you want to use this is step one step two step three and then you've got a course say on chronic fatigue and mitochondrial issues you've got a detoxification course so should they be little separate pieces at a cheaper price point or do you want just the shebang let me know give me your feedback rarely will someone actually listen and give me the feedback. But those people that do give me the feedback, thank you. I love you. I appreciate you for your time. This is huge. This could be big. So I want to know what's the most helpful because I've already spent a lot of time on this, but 
I can divide this thing up or we can just make it big. So let me know. I appreciate it. And I'll let you go. If you do want to talk, please reach out. Schedule a consult with me or Megan. We can help you around the world. I just had a medical doctor as a client in Australia. We've been working with her for over a year now. and She's gotten great success. It's so fun to work with people who've been medically trained for 30, 40 years. And then I give them better results than they can give to themselves. That's just so fun. Such an honor. You can reach out at my website, evanbrand.com, E-V-A-N, last name Brand, B-R-A-N-D. Take good care of yourself. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Bye. He acts like it's all good, yeah, like everything's cool. Kiss her girl the night and then he leaves her. She doesn't have a clue that he's terrible clothes. Why I'm in a tire, got to watch out, girl. Don't wanna see her by her eyes out, girl. Cause I've been watching, you've been hurting. Let me be the one that loves you better.